Welcome back, everyone, to R2Cast number 112. Uh, on Monday there, uh, we had Glenn Penlington on, which by the time this episode's released, tomorrow he'll be uh, defending his British still timber sports championship got there in the end go back and watch that one a really interesting one and i did make sure to introduce glenn by saying some of you might follow me and know i'm quite good with an axe this man is almost as good uh, which was a uh, maybe the oversell of the century um but yeah go and go and check out still timber sports and see see what glenn's up to there the next episode um after today's on monday will be let me the yeah, will be the 19th of uh, of June, so the last episode before the Highland Show. If you're a Highland Show goer, I'm sure you will see me. I will not be in the beer tent, obviously. Uh, you'll be able to see me there. I'll be there for probably six days, doing a lot of things. SRUC, SAYFC, R2K, A-Plan, I'll be doing a lot of things, so come and say hello. Um, but I really wanted to get this episode that's coming out on Monday out before the Highland uh, because it's with SAYFC's senior leadership team. So SAYFC is the Scottish Association of Young Farmers Club. Uh, and basically what they've done is they've had a bit of a reshuffle at national level and they've split up into six different national committees. Do I know them all? Finance, development, wellbeing, communications and marketing, competitions and events. Can't remember what bits I've forgotten here. But anyway, um, agri and rural affairs and another international travel <clears throat> and what that does is sort of it makes it a lot easier for ACYFC and, and the senior leadership team of which I am one as vice chair of comms and marketing um, to sort of make that member-led experience better for the members but having them on will open up quite an exciting opportunity for myself to basically film with every young farmers club district and region in Scotland there is 73 <laughs> it will take me some time but with upload schedule that i have now maybe not as long as i expect um so if you are listening and you're from a young farmers club in scotland please get in touch or england or anywhere get in touch if you want to have your club on because i do plan on trying to have absolutely every single one on um which should be really cool so please get in touch and we'll, we'll get on to that but today it's also a very um well it's an interesting guest but it's also quite a, a what's the word uh, an important guest, I guess, for myself. You've you've listened to a few of my podcasts at this point. This is 112, um, number 62. I was with my dad. Um, a few other uh, friends have been on. But today, uh, we our guest is someone that I was actually a half-best man for. Now, you might ask, what's a half-best man? Is that because you're very thin, Wallace? No, it's because me and Ewan were both Josh's best man, uh, who is just currently shaking his head at the a thin point but that's fine um we're josh's best man last march up in st andrews which was absolutely lovely which i'm sure we'll get into at some point but uh, before we do josh would you like to say hello hello how you doing just before we get started with another episode of the r2 cast i would like to thank our primary sponsors a plan rural a plan rural are heavily involved on the social media scene in the ag space with 120,000 followers on Instagram. They use this following to host social media takeovers with farmers throughout the country to showcase their stories. They also post to their rural community blog with further stories about these people in the industry. On top of this, they like to support initiatives that are championing the British agricultural industry, such as myself. So thank you to Aplan Rural for that. Yeah, good mate, good to have you on. Um, looking looking forward to this. It's, it's always I've said this a few times in the last few episodes. We've actually had a few mates on, whether that's Ross or John or now I'm co-hosting with Ed. It's, I'd filmed this and maybe at the start I had friends on because I struggled to get people that weren't friends. And then you sort of get to stage that you're big enough, you can have loads of folk on. But there's just something really nice about speaking to someone that 
oh, I was one of your best men. I obviously know you a little bit, but also to then sort of find more out about it. So uh, is this a first for you? You've done something like this before? No, I've never done anything like this before. It's definitely oh, a first. A world exclusive um, for those of you looking for Josh. Now, some of you that know me and Josh, uh, first off, I'm sorry. Uh, that's a great shame for you. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of background about about Josh and I. Uh, Josh was a dweeb, uh, and <laughs> nah, Josh joined. Josh joined the the came over to Aaron and and first year at high school. I don't think we probably ever spoke, but we did a wee bit here and there, and then we started to just. He was just very very annoying I don't I can't stress how annoying this man was and we were in maths class together and he just kept going and does anyone remember in like um still game where Jack would be chatting he'd be on and on and on and Victor would be like that's plenty quite funny yep these jokes are quite funny the odd time now Josh decided for the next few years to just try and create this annoying persona based on getting laughs out of me being very angry because whenever I would speak and I'm actually quite surprised he hasn't done it yet. He would go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> or that's plenty, or some kind of nonsense. And somehow we ended up being friends, and uh, he ended up being the head boy for the school, which was shocking. But I was his vice, and then he went on uh, for Greece uh, when uh, we did the school play, and we took the N out of vice. Uh, we added an N to vice, and he became Vince, but it was a very small part in the play. Um, and ever since then, it's just been a life of bullying each other, WWE, me being better at FIFA, and... Uh, That's nonsense. <laughs> so yeah, Josh, tell us about your background. Tell us about what was a young Josh doing? What was, a, what was life for a, a, a school-age Josh? <clears throat> school-age going back to primary school? or Yeah, fire on. What, what was the intentions? What did you want to be when you were younger? Um, at primary school, I was very, very uh, shy. Very, very timid. Um, was, wasn't until maybe even third or fourth year. Um, one of the chemistry teachers asked me to go on a play um, because the lead dropped out. And they, it was like two weeks before the festival and they asked me to do a play. And that's how I started getting into drama. And I, I credit that to, to gaining confidence. Um, I'd always be... As much as uh, Wallace would disagree, I'd always be kind of sitting at the back of the class, you know, minding myself, uh, kind of like a teacher's pet kind of thing. Kind of no, no banter apart from like friend groups. And yeah, I would, um, I was, yeah, I was always very, very shy. Going, kind of growing up, I always kind of, I, I like school. I liked maths especially, um, and when once. I went to Aaron, I kind of got into sciences and I had in my head, had in my head I was going to go and do something with science, which is kind of kind of true. We couldn't kind of get back into that, but I wanted to go into forensics originally. I never, ever wanted to, to become a chef. Um, I always wanted, I wanted to do forensics and then I went into psychology. So I wanted, that's what I wanted to do, set my mind to it. I had a place up in Aberdeen to study. Um, and the headquarters for this sort of thing is uh, in Aberdeen, forensic psychology. Um, so I just kind of assumed, you know, I would do my five years, get a get a master's, and uh, I would get go straight into a job there. That's it's going to be that simple, you know, kind of naive, uh, naive at seventeen. Um, so I never I never applied for student accommodation. I applied to go to a private private let, 
and I went up there and it was an eye-opener, should we say. It was just not um, not pleasant to look at and the landlord was um, you know, very, when I say aggressive, I don't mean physically, he just came across very aggressive. Um, and I was like, no, I'm not doing it. So I went back, I say back home, back to Aaron. Um, I actually went back to school for another year um, to gain more qualifications because in, in my head, that's what I was still going to do that. But I also thought, right, I should start making money for when I do go away. And so I went to school. I worked three separate jobs in three separate kitchens. And by the time the next summer came along, um, I, I love cooking so much. That's what I, that's when I decided to apply to SRUC in Cleveland. And when I came up to Fife, and that, yeah, that was the two years of college. And I would never change my career now. I, I couldn't, I don't think I could, you know, um, trying to describe it. I don't think I could um, be in an office all day. I don't think I could, um, you know, do paperwork all day. I, I love what I do. I love creating new dishes. I love, you know, um, interacting with some customers. Um, I learn, I, I love learning how to run a business, things like that. I, yeah, I would never, ever change my career now. I'd say it's quite cool how that happens. I mean, the amount of folk I've had on here and here, did I think I was going to be a lecturer? Absolutely not. Like, there's this sort of <clears throat> it's a mentality. It's like almost like a, a pre-written narrative at school that you must know what you're going to do. You know, and it's it's nonsense in a way. Like, yeah, some folk are going to be grand and it's going to come fourth, fifth, and sixth year or whatever, and they know exactly what they're going to do it to the day they die. Like, but I think we've got to create some kind of normality around well, maybe you'll just find out. Like, you, I mean, I remember when you were set on forensics and psychology and sort of the combination of the two, like there was no change in your mind on that. There really wasn't. But that's clearly happened. And and I think it's quite important we push that. But I actually wanted to focus on one thing before we actually got to even post-school or anything like that. I can't have you on and not chat wrestling. Because... And the reason I say that, right, the reason I say that is I've had a lot of people on this podcast, as we know, probably almost 150 people. <clears throat> and everyone just sort of laughs at me when I say I wanted to be a WWE wrestler when I was younger, right? And I know you can't, you probably still take piss, but you can't laugh because you were the same. Um, there's one story I want to tell. <laughs> Maybe you've got others, but do you think, do you think I know what it's going to be? Uh, it's either going to be Undertaker Streak or When You Broke My Nose. That is insane. It was the Undertaker Street one, and then I was, as you were saying that, when he says, I don't know exactly what it's going to be. So, yeah, for those listening that like WWE, the Undertaker is certainly in my mind the man, right? Maybe not in everyone's, and fair enough, but um, would you still say Ric Flair? I was never Ric Flair with Eddie Guerrero. Always Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> you didn't take that as offensive as I thought you would. I thought you'd have bitten more for that one. No, it's okay. Um, I'll get back for it later. No, I'm quite sure you will. I'm quite sure you will. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Undertaker at WrestleMania, which is like the flagship show, I guess, for the for the for WWE, it went 21 and 0. He'd never lost for 21, 21 fights at it. Matches, if you say it's not fighting. Um and then there was this match, WrestleMania 30, against Brock Lesnar for people that don't watch wrestling have probably heard of because he's UFC uh, heavyweight champion, he was NCAA. I'm pretty sure he was professional uh, American football at one point as well. He's done everything. Um, but 
massive guy in the game. You would never thought he was going to be the one that was going to end this streak. So we were sort of just watching this as a good match, as it always is, Undertaker's match at the at, at WrestleMania. And uh, then 35, pin for the one, two, three. And there's this famous meme that I'm going to guess most of you have seen of a black guy with glasses that, oh, what's the T-shirt? I can't even remember. And he's just like, well... That was Josh. <laughs> that, that was Josh. That, yeah. and, and I can't stress enough how accurate that is. Um, the only thing was he wasn't wearing glasses and his skin colour was different and Josh was probably a wee bit chubbier. Like, that is the only thing. Like, it was the exact face that was given. And I even said this at your wedding. Like, what was it I said? I was like, eh, jo- eh, Leah, he looks at you. I, I, I can't even remember. It's something I've probably got to speak to around here anyway, but I'd mentioned that. But the other one that I do want to mention is Josh and I, well, I'll, I'll actually let you speak more to why we were doing what we were. So I won't actually say about what we were doing at this stage with it, with a fundraiser and that. You can talk about that side of things. But um, we were doing a fundraiser, which we'll get into. And he was just being that typical Josh. We'd been away from each other for a year. I'd done my first year at uni. Uh, and... We just played about that. It was like the, the changing room, wasn't it? Yeah. And we're just wrestling sure. and I just maybe got a wee bit carried away. And like, I am a bit bigger than you. And I sort of like pushed the through you. Just shut up. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> like, threw you to the side and you clattered your face off the table. <laughs> There's this photo of you and your nose is like proper curved. It's amazing. But I, before we get into sort of life and college and whatever, tell us about that fundraiser. That was good crack. <clears throat> so, um, after I was raging about Greece, I thought, uh, right, I can't can't let my uh, acting career die like that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I know, and I know we're joking about it, but we did a fundraiser that's very close to both our hearts. Um, Wallace wanted to raise money for motor neuron disease um, due to his family member sadly passing away from it. And um, yeah, yeah. my uncle had multiple sclerosis um luckily he is still here but it's uh it's both are are horrible you know motor neuron disease tends tends to be fairly quick you know and a, a famous case obviously is Stephen Hawking um and uh, sadly now more and more rugby players are are being diagnosed um but now putting um Preventions, but is that the right word? Preventions yeah. in the game to stop this from happening, which is obviously a huge step forward. Um, and multiple sclerosis is a slow process. Um, my, my uncle is was a very very fit man. You know, he used to cycle, um, cycle all over the country. He used to do sailing, and you know now now he can you know lift a fork. You know, it's kind of it's it's that that um, from one extreme to the other. Um, so we decided to raise some money for it, you know. Um, I was still on Aaron at the time, um, and then Wallace was coming back from uni for the summer, so we kind of, kind of thought, you know, I was that that whole year, as I say, for me was kind of, I I take that, I I never look back at it. It's my gap year. I took a year out to kind of, you know, party and work and you know do all these sorts of things, but you know I I kind of. Towards the end of the summer, as I said, I kind of made up my mind what I was going to do. I was going to go to college, and you know, this was it. Um, and I, well, I thought, right, we're going to, we're not going to be, you know, close and seeing each other every day forever. So I thought, right, you know, we, we both lived in Greece. I did plays 
for the the drama, the Lomash drama team anyway. Um, so we kind of thought, well, why don't we, why don't we do a play, raise money? You know, it's it, and are in such a small community, so everyone was so supportive. Um, we decided to go to a former English teacher who is amazing. We, as you know, she kind of gave us all these all these ideas of what to do and what play, you know, and she kind of, um, she kind of kept us straight. You know, we, we kind of, we made friends from being in school and doing drama. So we kind of, you know, everyone that was into drama kind of got involved and, you know, no one was, obviously no one was paid for it. It was all, you know, it was just such a fun thing to do. Mm. Um, and we kind of, we wanted to do something with a bit of a twist. It was, um, it was in August. I had in my head it was going to be some kind of like panto. Um, I think we were both arguing over one point who was going to be in drag. We were not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just to confirm, arguing who wanted to be in drag. Yeah, we both wanted, wanted to be in drag. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who wanted to be in drag. And can I just say, there is one photo out there that I'm gutted is not, I can't find it. I'm going to guess Jess has it, but I'm, a, I'm in stilettos. And oh my God, my legs look to die for. So, I should have been the one, but you won in the end. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, but your cankos wouldn't have uh, been good for everyone to see. Yeah, they weren't, in fairness. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, um, I won, just like I won everything, you know, um, with Wallace. You know, <laughs> I, I got to be in drag. Um, Wallace was Jack. Wallace, um, yeah. I was a uh, little Pete. Oh my God, you still, you, you, your voice still hasn't cracked. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I, I can't talking talking in that high voice for a whole night. I think I got to the the break, and I was trying to do the the raffle in the voice, and it just kind of it didn't work, did it? Well, we we actually did two nights though, which yeah, genuinely when I look back, like I don't know how much the high school holds, and I know we didn't sell out either night, but we <clears throat> we sold a fair chunk each night, like three quarters. And I, I genuinely was quite proud of that, in fairness, in itself, because yeah, it was it was um, it was something I, I didn't expect. I when we first started doing it, I was like, "Here's an idea," you know, in my head it was going to fail, and I'm kind of glad that I got proved wrong. Um, and it's down to the people of Adam being so supportive, um, not only of you know the, the causes that we were you know fundraising for, but um, support of of local Aaron's got such a great local drama um group and I mean there's some villages that are you know 30 people in it and they've got their own drama group it's it's you know it and I know drama isn't for everyone but as I say I credit doing drama to giving me a lot of confidence that I now still have and I don't think I would ever have gained it um if it what if I didn't do it you know and it, and it let me be a bit more um Confrontation is the wrong word, but you know, speaking up more, you know, speaking yeah, up for yeah, yeah. A, 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 either I thought I was right and say some situation or be more vocal in class or something like that. You know, it kind of gave me a, a thing to work towards. And um, only other thing I kind of did before that was between first and fourth year, I, I arranged the click sergeant football for the school. Oh, you did? I forgot about that. Um, that so that that was the thing that kind of went round and got teams together and you know 
money and it went to a charity. So that was um, when I, when I thought about oh yeah, I used to do that. So why can't I, you know, why why can't I just do this for one one? I I only I said it was going to be one night. It was yeah. great that we sold. I mean, if we only did one night, it would have been sold out. Yeah, the two I reckon we maybe sold tickets to what four hundred people. Yeah, well, is it is I can't, is it I can't remember what size it is because it holds the whole school. So that's that was three hundred when we started. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, I think I think it holds three hundred. So probably yeah, probably closer to five hundred people. You know, yeah. um, and it was it was so fun to do. It didn't. Um, and I, I mean, I can't speak to for everyone that was in the play, but I felt like everyone was included. Everyone was having a good time. You know, it was, it, it, it was such a fun thing to do, and it was something that you know. From, I mean, we were we were using you know uh, kids that were still in school at the time, but for us, I, it was never going to happen again. With that, yeah. with with that group, we might. I mean, I know you've you've went on and you've. Done more things on stage, but I, I, that was my last time being on stage. Um, do you miss it? I do. I, I do. I, I miss. Um, I I miss the kind of. I, I I always hated going on stage before. You know, I like kind of you know nerves and things like that. I hated it. I hated waiting backstage. I was like always just wanting to go on and do it and get off, like kind of rushing it. Um, but after a performance, there was nothing like nothing like that kind of adrenaline rush. Um, I mean, it's it's that adrenaline rush. You kind of, you kind of, I can relate into my own job because you got a, such an adrenaline rush from a good service, you know. Um, so I'm, I'm subconsciously, maybe that's why I like cooking so much, you know. Something things like that. It's kind of, it's kind of weird how these things kind of play out. And going back to what you were saying about um, school and in my in my head. When I came back from Aberdeen, I was a failure. I was going to, you know, that was it. That, that was it. My life was over. And it was the same kind of thing, sitting exams and things like that. I was like, I need to do well or I'm not going to be successful in life. And that's, and that was what's kind of drilled into me from, and I don't mean teachers, I mean from a, a school perspective of, especially at UK schools, you know, if you, um, and my parents, my parents were, they had um, trying to word this properly. They didn't have academic jobs, but they wanted me to have academic jobs. Yeah. Uh, they, want, they wanted me to. There was like, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be, you know, this is what you need to do. So I, I felt that pressure. I wanted to do well, and I wanted to. And as any as any kid does, you want to make them proud, you know. Um, I felt like that, you know, and I, I, I think without being too nice to you, I say, I think you're the first one that kind of opened my eyes a bit more to being like, and I, I mean, I don't, I know you don't mind me saying, but your exam results weren't exactly the greatest. No, I mean, for, for was it fifth year, I failed everything, I think, yeah. Yeah, and <coughs> I, I, I remember, I remember you being like, oh, it's not the end of the world, and I'm thinking, I, I couldn't be like that, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. And, you know, I mean, look how successful you are now. Look how happy you are now, rather than being in it, being you know, in a job that you don't like. You're doing a job that you love. You've got the podcast. You're doing things that you love with uh, a subject that's been in your in your whole life. You know, it's not. It's it's um, 
it, it was certainly an eye opener. I think I think success is a weird word because because I was speaking to someone just recently, and they said I'm a success, and I'm like like I'm as in they said they were, and I was like, oh, I love that first off, but why? And uh, they were like, oh, because I'm here. And I was like, and by here they meant alive, doing well in life because of their upbringing. Upbringing, and I was like, I love that. And the reason I love that is we have this issue with success is you make money. a lot of money. Success success is, yeah, you, have a, you have a nice house and we have to start changing the metrics by which success are and you, you used me as an example i can hate when people use me as an example and that sort of thing but the thing that is true is and it's very true is the happy part but see what you said about uh oh it's not the end of the world i probably had a slightly different mentality to that my mentality was probably well i can't change that that's done. Yeah. What now? Yeah. Let's go do that. But I, I've never, I've always, and it annoys people around you. It does annoy people around you having the mentality of, well, it is literally done. I can't do a thing about this. Let's not forget. Let's not care about that. Let's use yeah. it as a catalyst to change. But like, yeah, I've, I've, I've seen some pretty some some fantastic folk minds, whatever, like really go downhill because of this. Well, if everything doesn't work, it's a failure. And that's yeah. like a scary concept. And I very much lead my life and probably spend a lot of time in the classroom sort of creating almost a he's an idiot <laughs> type feel because it brings people, it makes people realise that everyone's normal. I'm seen as a lecturer, so I'm an influence in that, st- in that side of things. And if they see, you know... I would just like to quickly interrupt the show for a minute to give you some extra information on our primary sponsors, A-Plan Rural. A-Plan offer bespoke cover for farms and estates, the UK over, and will give you tailored insurance for anything on the farm, from your old workhorse tractor that's been around 20 years, or a fancy new and exciting diversification. And uh, as a teacher, it, it, it's, uh, as, a, well, as a lecturer, you're, you're making yourself human. And I, and I don't mean yeah. that for all teachers, but, you know, certainly from my point of view, teachers were, you know, highly academic. You know, you know, their teaching is their life. They didn't have like, you know, Missy, Mrs. Jane or whatever. You know, is that's who she is. She didn't have yeah. nine to nine to four. That's um, but that 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 was it for her day. Nine to four. Yeah. She goes home. She's got kids. She's got you know. She likes to go for a drink and listen to music. She likes you know these sorts of things. But we hold we hold um teachers to such a high standard yeah. um, and then look, look at what's happening now look at the, all the teachers striking now because they've been paid peanuts for so long and yeah, that was one of them <laughs> and they, but and you know and it's think, thinking about the pressure that you put these teachers under what what you expect them to do you, you ex- I mean I'm talking about Aaron here because I know the, this school size is completely different but in Aaron you know you're responsible for 30 people succeeding you know you, 30 people get an A you know um, whereas being a bit more realistic you know five of them are going to get an A mm-hmm. 15 people you know and that's okay but, yeah. uh, but people have got in this mindset like is 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 that's all that matters you know it's um, I never had a A any A not one at all 
probably given the fact I just said ah a is incorrect is <laughs> uh, proven why. But I never had an a until my my second last submission in third year at uni, and that's including school everything. Uh, it really doesn't matter. But um, speaking of school, college, and whatnot, tell us about your experience when you uh, stayed at college at SRUC. Yep. So I went to SRUC Elmwood, um, and again, going back to going back to teachers, my lecturer there was very quickly. You know, I again, I went, I went, I I went in with the mindset that I was the best, and that I, 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 that's. That, that's the wrong mindset to have in any situation because you're just going to get put down. And, and it, it needs to happen. And it happens so much in kitchens nowadays because kids don't want... Kids, they, I mean, they're, they're closing... I'm trying to, trying to put it into words. Like, cooking courses are... Going to college is, is great, okay? And I'm not saying don't go to college. But from a chef point of view, you're much, much better going in as an apprentice or a commie chef, doing a, you know, you do two days at college and three days in a professional kitchen. Going to, going to college and the, the lecturer said it himself, he's like, I can only teach you what I've been told to teach you. It's like, yeah, I'll teach you stuff you'll never use again in your career and I'll teach you stuff that you'll use every day in your career. Mm-hmm. But I can, I'll, only, I'll teach you the same amount of times, you know? So going in, filling a fish, you know, you're, you're going to use that quite a lot in your career but going in and making I mean this was what seven six seven years ago I was at college now um going in and you're making a dish from the 1970s or think things like Van Dyke and a tomato Van Dyke is when you you get a, a plum tomato and you kind of do like a zigzag on it it's how they used to present it oh yeah, yeah, yeah. like I yeah. cook breakfast do you see that anymore you know like things like that you know I would just you, like to say my mum will be listening, and she does that all the time. But you don't, you don't, you, from a professional standard, though, you don't see yeah, that. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know you, I mean? you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that uh, Wallace's mum makes the best mac and cheese ever. I knew that's what you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. What is it? Broccoli, tomato, and ham? Is that what it is? Bacon, yeah, bacon. Uh, the, the cherry tomato syrup, man. That's <laughs> what it was. Um, yeah, so saying that college was great, you know, I kind of led the college college life you know partying all the time it was I, I enjoyed it you know um, I was good at what I did in college um, what college did let me do is see a bit more of the paperwork behind it because you don't think about that when you're thinking oh, you know you think about oh, flames and cooking you don't think about right actually you know probing your food to make sure they're no. the right temperature you don't think about these things going in as a young young chef or wanting to learn, you think about, right, I'm going to go in and cook the best of gear. You know, I'm going to go in and cook fillet steak. That's not going to happen. If you go into a professional kitchen after college, they're not going to let you cook fillet steak. They're going to, they're going to give you something like mushrooms. And I, and I don't mean that, but you need to treat, from a, me speaking now as a, as, a, as a sous chef, you need to treat each ingredient the same. Treat, you know, treat a fillet steak the same way that you would treat mince, you know, yeah. you know, take, take that, take that care, take that um, pride in what you're doing rather than, oh, it's just a cheap cut. But turn that, it, me personally, and it sounds so cliche and so many people say it, 
I prefer using cheap cuts or what's regarded as cheap fish because A, that's what I grew up on, you know? Yeah. And B, you can be a lot, it's a, a lot more with things like fillet steak, you don't need to do anything to it. It's already beautifully tender and there's not there's not actually a lot of cooking involved, really. It's already... But I, I, assume, I assume that cooking process is so... Like, I'm guessing there's less margin for error. With what? Well, with, with a fillet steak, for example, compared to mince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, but if you think of a fillet steak, you would never you would never put fillet steak through a mincer. But no, you could put chuck. You know, you you put, you put chuck through 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 the mincer. And what can you create from that? What fillet steak you can do? All, all you need to do is steak, whatever you say, steak chips, whatever you know. Um, but with that, you could do meatballs. You could do you know so so many things. It, it opens it opens up creativity. Um. So what, what was a day? What was a day at college like? Did you go in and you were just? Was there a lot of classroom work? Was there a lot of? Was it so mainly? The, I went. I went straight into a HMC, which is technically, when I went in, which was technically third year, if that makes sense. Because you could, you could, it's it's aimed at kids leaving school at sixteen. This this particular course, and going in and learning some. I would say life skills rather than professional yeah. skills because everyone needs to know how to cook. Everyone should know how to cook. And I don't mean they need to be cooking Michelin star meals. They should know how to cook. They should know how to make a, a roux sauce, for example, which is, they should, they should know how to make a bechamel. They should know how to make bolognese. See these things? I don't have a clue what the first two things are. I'm guessing I know how to make them. They're just a name. What are those? So a roux is a base from a sauce. It's butter and flour. Basically, that's what a roux okay. is. Bechamel yeah. is um, butter, flour, milk. Right. Bechamel is a cheese sauce. It is what you, add, you know, you add cheese yeah. to. Bechamel is what you get on lasagna. Things like that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Things, you know, everybody should know these these things because it, it is a life skill. You know, it is everybody should know how to cook because I didn't. I thought I did. I thought I did, you know, working in these three separate restaurants in, in Arran. Um, I think the first and only Christmas day I ever worked was on Arran. And I went to go and cook salmon. And the head chef put too much oil in the pan. And I think I came to, we went out for your birthday the day after. You know, I remember my hand was up like a big balloon. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> basically deep fried my hand. <laughs> um, my, two, my two middle fingers were all swollen. It was it was still the worst one I've ever had, and that was, and that's because the head chef didn't know what he was doing. That was and the I, night. That was the night that. Sorry to change the subject, but that was the night between you and Reese Curry. You got me a pint of shots, and you went to have it, and then last minute we realised there was disarono in it. Yeah, which is funny enough, I could actually have probably had. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We didn't have a lot of time, though. We thought it would be crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so, so that, that probably leads to another question, though, Josh. So not the Disarona one. Um, the, you're saying it's like life skills. People should know how to do this. People should know how to do this. I would argue the things you're saying, I've known how to do them for a while, but I had a mum that taught me a lot of this sort of thing. I didn't know the names, but that doesn't matter. But... 
I think we have a nutritional issue in this country. And I think there's a lot of people are obese, hands up, by the way. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't know what their food is. They don't know what carbs are. They don't know what calories are, all that sort of thing. I wouldn't put my hand up for that, but maybe five years ago I would. But the, the question I'm really leading up to here is, is, is sort of home economics and that sort of thing not quite cutting at a curricular level? Is there more that should be done in school? Because home economics is a thing that you choose. It's not strictly a you'll do this. Yeah, I, I, I get asked this a lot, you know, um, about home economics. And I never took it. No, me neither. And I, I never took it. Um, but, again, going back to Aaron, and I, I say this to everyone that I meet, I say all the teachers at Aaron are fantastic, but the, the home economics teacher that we had at Aaron is so passionate. She's amazing. She's so passionate. I mean, I was, I was lucky enough that she asked me to go back after first, um, my first year at college and do a demonstration. Here, shout out Lucy. Let us name drop. Shout out Lucy. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's things that don't happen. And, and you know, I, I still follow the Iron High School page to see. And you know, you're, they're getting chefs in from the local area, doing things. They're getting people more. They're getting. They're get, They're doing more now than compared to when we were in school. And I don't mean that as an. Uh, that's not a, a critique. That's just like it, it's nice to see as a chef. You know. Um. It's hard to answer this as a chef because, yes, I think everyone should know how to cook. I think cooking should be mandatory up until at least fourth year. Mm -hmm. um, I just think what they're teaching them is not particularly correct because okay. I believe one, one time in maybe S1 or 2, we did a potato hedgehog. We put some cocktail sticks and potato and put cheese and pineapple on it. You know, that's, you know teach people... Things like things like me. I'm not saying that everyone should make their own bread. That that's I'm I'm not. I don't do that at home. I don't. You know. I'm not saying that. But you should you should know how to do it. But even but even like the, I mean I guess the potato hedgehog maybe fun sometimes. But like how to make mince and tatties. How to make like chicken pasta or yeah. pasta. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Like making your own bread is pretty advanced in some ways. You know. It just needs. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's particularly advanced. I'm not saying it needs to be, you know, an amazing sourdough yeah. bread. I mean, it, it, I mean, like bread, bread's a good example because it's so versatile. You you you've got so many different types of bread, right? Pretty much, pretty much all of them have got the same ingredients, just in different quantities. That's just science. You know, that's all that. Is. That's just all that is. It's just knowing what to do what, at what stage. Um. Yes, I think we should know how to make meals. We should know how to um, identify, you know, if they say if they came across strange, strange foods, food or food uh, allergies is a good one because I know quite a lot about it. But especially with having um, Darren having to allergy train heart on what on the main fourteen main allergens. But if you come across something you've never had before, don't eat. A, don't either like shy away from it or but you know you're meant to either put it on your wrist for 20, 20 minutes see if you come out a hive or whatever and this is we had to do this for egg for 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 Darren because we thought she had a, an egg allergy so you put it on her hand for 20 minutes you then put it on her chin for 20 minutes if there's still no reaction obviously and then you put it on a lip and then you give her like 
a minuscule amount. Um, you know, and then you put it's, it's uh, allergy and intolerances are different, but if you don't if you don't have these things, you will get an allergy. And and I, I, I say uh, someone that's lactose intolerant and someone that's allergic to dairy are two completely separate things. Yes. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until recently. I, I have an anaphylactic allergy to peanuts. I used to be allergic to all nuts, but I kind of grew out the rest of them. But I thought anaphylactic allergies were very common. It wasn't until I started, you know, um, allergy training dairy and going to the um, nutritionalist um, that I found it is extremely rare. It's, it's very, very rare. And peanuts seems to be the most common for anaphylaxis, um, which I don't recommend, by the way, is horrid. Not horrid. nice, no. <laughs> no. It is, it is horrid. The, the last reaction I had was the worst one, and it was it was crazy. But anyway, um, yeah, so going back, sorry, going back to what you're saying about home economics, I think they should teach more, but, you know, the, teacher, the teachers don't control that. They're, they're, no, no, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's the same way with electricity college. They're told what to cook, and it's all looking now. It's looking now at where where food's going. You know, um, to what we will be eating in twenty years' time. The 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 education is almost twenty five to thirty years behind of what's actually current right now, and it's made by people that are. Yes, they're academics, but they're not chefs, or they're not, you know, in, in my opinion, you would never get, you would never get, you know, someone that doesn't know anything about chemistry to teach a chemistry class. Why would you do the same about cooking? Because that is very true. Yeah. You know, and, and, it, and, it, and it's A, because, A for safety, B, because, you know, it's good to have, you know, yeah, try, try, trying to explain it in the right way, it's, it's kind of difficult, but. Yeah, it's, it's made by people that have never had to cook in their life or never or never cooked to a standard or I've never been a chef. And I, and I yeah. find that bizarre. It's maybe, not, maybe not at high school level, fair enough, but at, at college level made by people that have never cooked before. And a lot of it is all, especially going into HND. HND, my project was to de design a kitchen, which was, I found very, very interesting. And, but at that time, why do, why do I need to design a kitchen? You know, it's, it's not, why, at, at that point in my career, why do I need to design a kitchen? You're not going to go straight into a place where you're designing your own kitchen, are you? You're going to work in very strictly, are you strictly, you're not strictly learning for tonight though, are you? You're, you're learning for, well. Yeah, but what I mean I, is. It's going to be. I, know, 10, I do know what you mean, though. I do know what you mean. Yeah. In 10, 15 years' time, what we taught me is going to be outdated. It's all, it was already outdated when they were teaching it. True. You know, it was like the, the things like um, what they were saying. And uh, sorry, just to state as well, a lot of people don't know this, but Scottish food hygiene laws are some of the strictest in the world. Right. Um, and I, Can I just try and show off? I want to see if I know one thing here. Okay. I've got a feeling. You're going to say I'm wrong. I've got a feeling meat products have to be cooked to 83 in this country, but in England it's 76. No, that's wrong. Damn it! Um, Am I close? 
no. <laughs> oh, I thought I'd done really well there. That's really cooking, that. cooking anything, <laughs> cooking anything high risk, uh, should be above seventy five. Reheating anything, anything, should be above eighty two. I wasn't that, far off. That's Just Scotland and England. Um, but a, a good example is fridge temperatures, and this is going into a more sciencey side of it. Uh, in Scotland, fridge temperatures need to be between. Um, can't be any higher than five degrees, right? Whereas in England, it's eight degrees. That feels quite warm. Eight. Going into pastry, when you go into to do a pastry section, chocolate can't be five degrees. You know, it it just doesn't work. It it, it doesn't work to the to the standard that you want it to. Yeah. Right, that, so you need to you need to work around it. You, obviously, you don't. The law is the law. You work to the law, yeah. uh, but there's so much more that you could get. You could do so much more. Um, I get, and I know it seems only three degrees, but those three degrees open up a whole new layer of creativity. What you could do, especially in pastry, I would say, especially in pastry. I would, I would, I would always keep meat products, you know, um, fish. All these sorts of things below five degrees, no questions asked. Um, but yeah, as I say, Scottish Scottish uh, hygiene laws are some of the strictest in there. That's that's interesting. I didn't realise that. I know, sort of in this country, we've got quite strict laws in general, but I didn't realise it was so different. Um, it's not. <laughs> I know. It's, I know it sounded negative. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but I mean. I mean, for people that then go over to America and they see things like lobsters displays without any, you know, it's not got any storage. It's just out. And they think, oh my God, I can't eat. Well, you can't because the science and how it was cooked allows you to. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, I'm not eating that. You know, then it, it kind of puts people off food. For sure. Yeah. And I, I think a lot, um, I, I think you touched on it as well. A lot of, I would say the UK in general is ignorant to other foods. You know, they they know what they like. They don't want to try anything else. They don't, you know, they they you know. I, I like my I like my salmon black. I like my steak well done. I like you know. But the, and you're never ever going to change these people's minds. That but it's for me. I feel sad for them because it opens. It's, you've just limited yourself. For if you ever do go traveling, you know, you want to experience like going to. I always go back to when I went to Portugal and me and Leah were sitting on a just like a, a small 30 seater restaurant, but it was overlooking the, the, the beach. And we got a whole turbot roasted on the bone and, you know, bottle of red wine. It was, ah, oh, you know, it's, you can't beat it. But a lot of people think um, chefs need to be. Uh, you know, you need to do this with the food. You can you know, if you've got the right ingredients, let the ingredients do the talking. Mm-hmm. And I don't That's mean that. Good. I don't. I, I don't mean that. I mean, all you, all, you, all that target was done was was cooked, cooked with a lot of um, a lot of love and a lot. And I know that again, that seems cliche, but love, love and attention. Nothing else was added to it. All they did was score the skin and roast it. 
probably a, and something like a pizza oven mm-hmm. or a barbecue, you know. But that's that's all you need, you know. It, it, and it's it's different. You could then take that same turbot that we just had that was moist and flaky and you know um, delicious. You could then go to a re- some other restaurant and they've took it up and put it into a fish cake. You know, it's you know it, it's for for people that don't want to eat or for people that don't want to explore food. As and it's, it's, it's difficult for me to say become because I am a chef, but um, food is a massive part of my life. It's a massive part of everyone's life, you know. It's but you, you should definitely know what you eat, as you say, know what you eat, know yeah. where your food comes from. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I try and say that quite often. I can, yeah, I can agree more. Um, t- tell us about sort of the process of you sort of touched on it here and there. Um, well, sort of speaking about it for the last 10 minutes, but more sort of how the progression works. We talk about Kami, we talk about Sue, all that sort of thing. I don't know who Susan are and I don't know who Kami are, but no, I'm only joking. But like, what is that sort of progression? How, how does it work? If you, So if someone's out there and they're, they're thinking, oh, this a story sounds class, I'd quite like to become a chef. How, how would that process go? So th- this, is, this is where we get into problems within the industry because you could be a head chef somewhere, but a chef to party in somewhere else. And what do what is chef to party then? What's that? Chef to party is like middle. Okay. So it, it goes it goes commie chef, demi chef to party, chef to party, and then it goes like senior chef to party. So you know, di- and different. A lot more every, than realised. <laughs> not every not every place follows the same hierarchy. Yeah. You know, it's sometimes it's just a sous and head chef. Sometimes you've got a sous exec sous head chef executive chef. Okay. Things like so, it's, it's executive chef is like you know at the top of your game, and then you've got things like chef people call them chefs, chef patrons, which is te- technically more like a chef owner, I would say people use that, that term for. Um, but yeah, I, this is where there's problems in the industry because people, especially in rural areas of Scotland, they will go to one restaurant, they will work in that restaurant their whole life. So all they know is that restaurant. All they know is yeah. the nine dishes on the menu. All of a sudden, they're head chef. They then go for, they then go somewhere else. Say it's maybe a bit more upmarket or whatever, and they can, they can, cut the muscle with the chef departments or even the demi chef. I kind of learned this because I was a chef to party, and I went down for to Midsummer House in Cambridge, which is a two Michelin star place. Um, and I thought I would fit right in. And they ran rings around me. I was I, I was so grateful for the opportunity because they allowed me to do everything. They allowed me to, I was privileged to work, work the fish, fish section one night, but the, the guys that were, you know, job title, job title below me technically, were far better cooks than I was, you know. They were, and it, so, so it's, I always say to people that are looking to get in the industry, stay, until you, until you find your end game, what you want to do or how you want to run. You know, some people go to a chef to party and they'll just move from place to place to place and that's fine because yeah. A, businesses need it. Businesses need strong cooks. Chef to party, you're kind of like, you can do a bit of everything. But you don't do anything of the management side. 
Okay. But you can run sections, you can that sort of thing. Shift the party, um yes, shift the party is kind of like mid-range, as I say. Yeah. Yeah. And, um yeah, so yeah, got people don't ever move around. I always say to people that they should stay in a place two years, especially if they're a young chef. Right. Uh, two years, so they can learn everything that they possibly can from the head chef, um, and then move on, and then from another, and you'll learn. And I remember people telling me this, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, I, I'll be I'll be head chef in ten years. You know what I mean? Uh, kind of thing. Um, but I remember listening and being like, well, I don't want to be like him. I don't want to do that. But you think, right? I'll take I'll take his. His way of chopping peppers to his way of cooking fish, and that's mine. You know, you, you learn from these chefs. You know, you don't you, you don't want to become a complete carbon copy of your head of who you were taught. You want to become your own chef because then you just cook the same food. You don't have your own your own style or your own. And it, when you have your own style, that's when you stand out. Le- that, learning, but, learning, what? seeing someone do something the way you don't like is also learning. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And 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 you know, seeing it. Um, yeah, as you're right. I, I, if I see someone doing something now, and I'm like, "Why are you doing it like that?" And I'm thinking, "Wait a minute, it's actually better." Mm-hmm. And I've been doing it my way my whole career, and I'm like, "Well, that I'm not going to do it that way because a, it saves me time. B, it's better, and C, it's you get the same quality at the end. So as as long as you're still speaking." from a, a more professional point of view, if you're still getting that same quality at the end and it saves you time, why wouldn't you do it? What are you at the minute? I'm a sous chef. So tell, tell us about the kitchen you're in at the minute. So the kitchen that we're in at the minute is very small. Um, we've only been open a year. So I was um, headhunted, I guess, by the head chef who is also a director of the company. Yeah. Um, and he asked me if I, I wanted to come and be his number two. So basically, I run the restaurant um, when he's not there. Okay, yeah. And what's the sort of, what type of restaurant is it, I guess? It's relaxed. So we've got a bar. Um, so we do, we do, we kind of, we don't want to do the classic, you know, fish and chips, burgers, stuff that you see everywhere and done to death because to be honest burgers and your fish and chips is where places make money because they buy them in for a pound and they sell them for 20 quid you know yeah. uh, but we wanted to it's, it's, it sounds copy and i don't need to come across this way but we wanted to educate people of what good bar food should be okay yeah yeah things like basic meals marinara mussels done in a, in a creamy white wine sauce Oh, it's, it's one of the best. You know, and people are like, oh my God, it's amazing. And, it, and, it, and it's so simple. It's a five-minute job. Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 the skill comes in preparing the muscles and taking off their beards and making sure all the sand's out and, you know, know when to A, not eat one and B, not use one. You know, if they, um, if they don't, if they're closed, you don't, you don't use, if they're closed, before cooking, you don't use them. And, sorry, if they're open before cooking, you don't use them. If they're closed after cooking, you don't use them. 
Okay. Yep. Makes sense. Yep. So because basically, if they're if they're open, they could be dead. Yeah. And it's it's basically one of these things like they might not be, but it's a risk you don't take because you risk food poisoning. I mean, I take a little bit of a personal attack with the removal of the beards, but it's, uh, <laughs> is that so? You've you've been there for a year, is that right? Is that what you said? Yeah, I've been there for a year. Yeah, and you said about two years. Would you only see yourself being there for another year, or are you at a position now in Sue Sue Chef position that you can maybe see yourself being there for longer? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, uh, I've kind of, I've I've worked a lot, you know, since I left yeah. college. I've worked a lot, and I don't. And I don't mean this to be um, to disencourage anyone, but anyone that's going in as a low-level chef, what a lot of places do, and places are starting to change. And this is what we what we are trying to do at the Shoregate is not take advantage of people. So, a common chef going into a big hotel, will, they'll slap a twenty grand salary on them and work them work them hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know. Is that, is that an exaggeration or is that what is that an exaggeration? No, 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 no that's that's legit. That is when, I, when I was working before, I would do 100 hours a week, I would go three weeks without a day off, and that's 20 grand, yeah, something, something, if not less, <laughs> if not less. Oh my god, no, that's four, that's three pound 80 an hour, yeah, and. Wow. Uh, you would you would be in from eight o'clock in the morning and you would be up scrubbing the the canopy and filters at one o'clock, and that was a because they didn't a because you're young and keen they want to you know use every bit of energy that you've got, and I don't mean that in a in a bad way. I mean they, it, it's clever how they do it, but they don't want to businesses don't want to then employ more people to do the cleaning. If that makes sense, so you've just you've just done you've just done a twelve hour shift doing all the cooking and all that, but now you need to go up and scrub. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could say the argument is it's your mess, you should clean it up. I understand that. I understand that argument, but then don't expect me to do another 14, 15, 16 hour shift the next day. Yeah, I agree. The next three weeks, you know, it, it's, it's, it's crazy. That's bad. And, yeah. And it, got, and it got to a point when, when, an eye opener for me was I didn't realize how much I was working when Darren was born. Legally, you're meant to get a week paternity leave. I got asked to go back after three days. Is that because, because you're done it? I take it not. No, no, no. I got I I got asked to go back after three days. I could have said, yeah, and I never got and I never got paternity pay and things like tips. We never got tips from that place. Would let's say you're a female. How quick would they have asked you to go back? Well, mm, the, there's more laws protecting mothers. Yeah, for sure. Understandably. Yeah, understandably, I get, but still, like. Um, but it was because I was the one in that place, I was the one that they were taking advantage of. And I didn't realize it. You know, I, I, was, I was made all these promises and all this sort of thing, and it never happened. No, it didn't, it didn't. It didn't happen until I said I was leaving, and then I was like, "It's too little, too late." And the reason, the main reason that I left was because I wasn't seeing my wee one, and which is more valuable than just about any salary. Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of 
people have got this this view of the hospitality industry of all oh, long hours, you know, family time. But why does it have to be like that? Why it doesn't it doesn't have to be. So what's your sort of hours now then? Sort of interest. So I work one um, Thursday to Sunday. Uh, yeah. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. Um, before I would be finishing at like one o'clock in the morning. The latest I finish now is like half past ten. 11 o'clock and I maybe so I'm, I still do um, 13 hour shifts but it's still only 52 hours a week yeah it's, it's, it's more than some jobs but it's a hell of a lot less than what I was doing and I'm getting paid more for it there's probably something in there isn't there it's like it's almost like a, I mean, we have it in farming this sort of idea that if you're not working a million hours you're not working like 52 hours is still a lot of hours you know and that's so you're saying only 52 hours because of what you were doing before um, yeah, and yeah, that, and that's, um, I mean, that, that's a common argue, argument that, you know, Leah brings up. Leah works as a nursery teacher. Yeah. Um, she's on a 36-hour contract. That's still a, like, oh, oh, yeah, that's part-time. But no, that's a full-time job. I think 35, by definition, is the... That, that, that's, a full, full, that's a full job. And it's like this whole... You, same in any industry, but you get a lot of chefs that are like, oh, you only, there's a lot of um, testosterone, she would say. Yeah. You know, a lot of like, oh, I did this. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the big man kind of thing. It's, it's outdated. It's, it's kind of just boring now. What, if you look, if you go and look at any successful place right now, if you go and look at places that have got one, one Michelin star or more, or four rosettes or more, Go and look at what their staff are like. They're happy. Right, okay. Or, you know what I mean? They're happy. See, in my head, someone that's working at a Michelin restaurant is going to be stressed to the hell. That's interesting. And the, and, like, the, the job is still stressful, but yeah. it's had kind of stress. I'm not tired as much as I was. I'm getting to see Darren, you know, I, that, that, and, and, and I'm on a good salary. It's not... Yeah. I, going back to what we kind of we're talking about before that's success yeah 100 you know, you know, i'm i'm happy happy in my job i'm happy in my work-life balance that's what more could you ask for i agree but um, i completely agree i completely could you because it's not something i fully understand i understand it is actually michelin the tire people that's all i know can you explain michelin stars and what was it was it rosettes is that what you said yeah yeah I hope you've kicked your feet up and got comfy and enjoying another fantastic episode of the R2 cast with another really interesting guest. I would just like to quickly take another second to plug the sponsors of the show today, The Scottish Farmer, and I would strongly advise you to go out and pick one up this week and see even more of the fantastic people that are in our industry. So the rosettes is a weird one because you need to buy them. Oh, okay. And I don't mean, and I don't mean that but if you're if you're not at the standard, I say say you can't just go and buy five. So you, rosettes you got to five, Michelin stars you got to three. Rosette, if you go and be like, oh, I want five rosettes, it doesn't work like that. You can't just be rich and have them. No. Yeah. Okay. Got you. No, but you need the way that I view. I, I was obsessed with all this when I was younger. I was obs- I was going to go work in a Michelin. I have worked in a few Michelin places now. Um, but that's what I was going to do. I was going to go and run 
a Michelin place. That was that when I you know that was what I wanted to do. Um, and the people that do it are dedicated. Yeah, they're they're they are at the top of their game. There's there's no doubt about it. Um, but with rosettes, you're you need to pay to get into their guide. So this is a, this is AA rosettes, right? Um, it doesn't mean you're not a good standard. When I say that, you need to buy them. As, that's not what I'm saying at all. But you, you, why should we, looking at it, why should you pay to get recognition? Michelin's a bit different. Michelin, you invite them. You invite them in. And their criteria is a lot longer. So what they're, so it, so you could get three rosettes, but you still can get one star. Right. Yeah. Um, Michelin is more about the experience overall, you know, wine list, um, seasonality in menus. Rosettes is more dedicated to the food. Does, what, does, what? So does Michelin even involve sort of a quality of front of house service and that sort of thing? One, once you get like two, two, three stars, absolutely. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but it's so the thing is it's an opinion Aye. you know I go, I go to you know I've, I've eaten in a, um, one Michelin star restaurant that I would say is easily two Michelin stars I've eaten a two star restaurant that I would say is only one you right. know but that, yeah. that's my opinion what you know that that you know it's not um, it's not a uh, a lot of people get, myself included, a lot of people get wrapped up in it. It's like, if I'm, again, if I'm not, not Michelin, I'm not a good chef, I'm not successful. It's not true. It's just not well, true. I think the point of that is I didn't realise just just how exclusive it is. Like, how many is there in Scotland? Michelin star restaurants? It's the restaurant, isn't it? It's not the person. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, don't, don't quote me on this. I think there's seven or eight one-star Restaurants. But that point is, if we're not talking like two hundred, no, you know, yeah, that's that's what I mean. I don't, and I don't. That, think. There's only there's there's no three star in Scotland. There's only one two star. How many three stars is there in, like, in the UK? Again, I think about six or seven. It does Ramsay have any stars? <laughs> oh yeah, he's got loads. He's he's got he's got a three star. And I, I want to say at least. I want to say at least three one stars in the UK. Yeah, he's got. This, it was quite recently that I realised that he was like good, good. I thought he was just famous because he was angry. Genuinely, I didn't realise. No, he, yeah, he's, he's he's someone that you know learned learned his craft, and he's just a, a lot of it's all for a lot of what you see on TV is not actually him. You know what I mean? Uh, for sure. Yeah. He's but he's what he demands from his you know he's he's got he's got his own academy for chefs now. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, he, yeah. He, Ramsey's a weird one. He's producing chefs for the future. He's he's building chefs and his vision what chefs should be. Yes. So basically, 10, 15 years time, these people in the academy will go and run his restaurants. That's so, not bad. So the, these is, does that work the same as a football academy? Like he'll take on these chefs. At his places, uh, that's the aim anyway. That's the aim. 
I, I, I don't know. I don't want to say anything and then it's completely wrong. You know what I mean? Um, go, Ra, Ra, Ramsey's, a, Ra, Ramsey's a prodigy of Marco Pierre White. So Marco Pierre oh, okay. White is considered the the grandfather of gastronomy. So yeah. Marco Pierre White is famous for handing back his three Michelin stars because he's like, why... He he's like, why why did their opinion matter to me? You know, I don't need this stress. Oh, really? I, just, I just want to cook. Okay. And um for you know for for mental health, that's a great attitude to have. Yeah. And because you're like, I just want to cook, I'll cook what I want. I the thing oh, is that's... if you if you go to a lot of one stars, they're all very Obviously, they've all got their own style, but they're all very um, exact. Everything's yeah. all everything's. There's no, there's no. If you get if you say you got two plates of the same food and one thing's out of one thing's different on the other, you're you're not getting a star. You get me. As as a consumer, I don't actually like that. But no, you know, that, that's that's yeah. maybe. I'm maybe the wrong target audience, and that's fair. Uh, it's yeah. It, I think it, what you were going to say is once you get to two and three, there becomes more sort of. I don't know what the word so, is. The the the, de- the definition is ones. It's not word for word, so don't. Um, yeah, for sure. Get me wrong. One star is go if you're in the area, because it it, it kind of dates back to like traveling. I can see where this is going. Yeah, because it was it was Michelin themselves that yeah for driving around France they wrote it, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So one star is like go if you're in the area. Two stars is worth a small detour. Three is you must go. Yeah. So three is three three stars are very rare. And I'm really interested how many there is. I th- I think there's seven or eight. There I mean, there's. There's one in my head. I'm thinking it's uh, the, the. I think they they closed this year, so obviously they lost it. The three, so I can't. There's only 137 on the planet. Yeah, there's not a lot, and I think that's important to say because I think, and for those of you watching, you'll be watching me. Uh, Josh's camera, I'll, I'll jump to me. He's sitting there having a red wine. He's such a chef, man. He's only 26, and he's eating, he's drinking red wine. Anyway, um, I think that's important to say because. I think I think in general we've heard of Michelin stars. Whether you're into chefing or not, it's like a thing. Like, you know, maybe that maybe that's wrong. I think in general an idea, but to understand just how elite that is, is mental to me. It's absolutely. And, and like the thing, as I say, it's it's opinions. So, you know, people people complain. You know, people complain. Like if I if I buy a, I go I go back to to fish. If I buy a piece of cod. For three pounds in the supermarket, right? Why does it cost me to thirty-five pounds for a cod dish in a restaurant? If you think about it this way, you used petrol to go and get that cod. You used gas and electric to cook it, or whatever you know. You used um, cutlery and plates, so the deterioration of that. Um, things like seats and then you've got overheads as well, wages and um, VAT and all these sorts of things to pay for. But uh, uh, 
going back to, to Michelin stars, it's only, you could go to a one-star restaurant and a three-star restaurant and prefer the one-star. It's, it's how you value food. As I say, it's, it's, it's only an opinion. You could, you could go to Gordon Ramsay's and be like, I'd rather go to the one-star one restaurant. I, I don't think a lot of people would, but I'm just saying, like, as an example, it's, it's how you value food. You go to Gordon Ramsay's, you're paying maybe £600 for two people. You go to a one-star, you're maybe, maybe paying 200 for just for food. So, and I think there's something to add there from my perspective, not as a chef, is I have heard so many people that go for, let's just call it for the sake of the discussion, an eating experience. Yeah, they go for a place that's that. It's not going somewhere to get full. And they're like, oh, I came out and I went and get a chippy because it wasn't enough. And I'm like, but if you're focusing on going to this place to get full, you're going for the wrong reasons. You know, like... I I disagree with that in a sense because... Um, again, in this country, we overeat. You know, I, I, myself included. You know, I, and I'm, I, I get pulled up for it. I am a feeder. I'll give big portions. Yeah. But if say say you're you're going to a lot, what a lot of uh, Michelin star places do, not all, but a lot do tasting menus. So you know, if you've got thirty people booked, you know you're going to sell 30, 30, 30, 30, 30. So it's a good way of, from a business point of view, of controlling your food cost and controlling um, quality, and you know, you know exactly what you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's no two, there's no two ways about it. You know, you know exactly. So you say your your beef, you're doing a hundred, say two hundred grams of um, beef. You know, you you get in, you know, say seven and a half kilo because you got considering five percent wastage. You know, something like that. Um, you, uh, but you, if you go uh, anyone that's went for a tasting menu right you normally say it's a six courser right normally get can bread canopies starter intermediate fish meat mm-hmm. dessert okay so they're like seven there you go seven right um, and you ask anyone they'll probably all always remember the fish fish dish more for the sole reason, as in <laughs> sole reason, sole. <laughs> if, you think, if you think of your hunger, you're eating your bread, you're eating your canopies, so your hunger is kind of mellowing out at the fish dish. Now you eat your fish dish, oh, I'm starting to get a bit full. You're eating the beef, you're eating the beef because it's in front of you, but you're like, I'm actually full. So you don't, you, you always appreciate okay. food. You always yeah. appreciate food when you I was um, I I was putting a new dish on the menu, and I ate it, and I was like I don't like it, and the head chef was like eat it tomorrow, make it one tomorrow morning and eat it again, and I was like holy like I, I, then I liked it and I was like oh wow like what like he was like it's because you're hungry. So what's what's the last dish that you came up with? What's the most recent one you've came up with that you've put on a menu? Uh, I'm working on uh um I'm working on a one at the moment for vegans friendly enough okay. um but uh, the last dish that went on was it was to uh, yeah i mean i a lot of the main courses now that is in fact a lot of the menu now i've got a great input in so i was i would say that my favorite one on the menu at the minute is the cod dish so it's just a simple roasted cod and um, we kind of we smoke it slightly in um applewood 
so it's, it's basically just lighting chips on fire and yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just it, you don't want to overpower it but it's just to give that kind of tinge um, and then it's with a uh, langoustine bisque uh, sunblashed tomato for gola and coriander oil it's That's just utterly bliss man that sounds so good and then just to elevate it there's pickled surf clams um, and then just for freshness uh, or, um, orange segments Right, so okay. it's, it's 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 very um very rustic, very I mean that's only five elements, but it take beast takes a day and a half to make, to, you know, all these sorts of things. It, it's one of these things where I'm now I'm now at the stage of my career where I want to make my service easy. So because service service certainly in the hot side of it is where the skill comes out. Yeah. Uh, and because you've got because you you've got the skill from your previous experiences of making sure the prep is right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you you make you you, t- you taste everything, you taste everything that you make, taste at different stages. It, it's it's like curiosity. If you know, it's like adding salt and lemon and sugar to things. You know, it, um, what does that do to it? How does it change it? It kind of you know these sorts of things, and um. You know, the, in the bisque we add a little bit of vanilla. All right, just, okay, yeah. And it, it's just it's just wee things like that that kind of just oh, it, it, it makes it last longer on your palate. Yeah, yeah. Here, it's so interesting. Generally, so interesting as someone that has always been interested in making food, but never to high level. Yes, I've worked in kitchens, I've made foods and whatever, but nothing like that. It's really interesting to to listen to. But I'm going to give you a little quiz. A one-part quiz, and don't feel any pressure that you have to get it right because it's quite a quite a specific little bit of knowledge. I've just looked through all the Michelin stars in the world. First off, do you know which country has the most? Was it France? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So France and Monaco between them have four, yeah, thirty-one. But what is the? I guess you would say longest-standing Michelin three Michelin-starred restaurant. Longest that oh, it's got it's got to be in Paris. It's certainly in France, yeah. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm saying this wrong, but it's called... Uh, let's see if I can get this right. Is it Rubichon? No, um, that is there, though. Uh, Le, Le, nope, say that wrong. Le Bois Sans Fuelis, the Troyes Gros Brothers. <laughs> 1968. Fun fact. I was just looking that up there, but... No, here, Josh... Um, Believe it or not, we spoke for an hour and 20 minutes already. Yeah, it sort of flies by, but uh, I could sit here and listen to all the sort of, well, quite interesting information about Michelin stars, chef and everything. I mean, this is a this is a podcast titled R2Cast, People in Food and Farming, and I'm probably been pretty guilty of very much being heavy on the farming side. Um, so fun fact for those of you listening, uh, obviously big fans of R2K at this stage, Josh was actually offered to be part of this brand right at the start. I don't know if he remembers this. Uh, he probably doesn't remember this, but uh, when I was about to start it, which most of you think R2K started in April 2020, that's when it became a thing. But in uh, in uh, July 2017, I was doing harvests down in Essex. And uh, at that point, I was like, Josh is a chef, I'm doing farming, let's see if we can make a, a thing. And that's when Instagram was actually created. So Josh was offered to be part of it, but he was too cool for these things. So um, 
I hope you've enjoyed a bit of a chat about the food side, but um, Josh, I don't know if you listen to the podcast or know anything about it, but there is two questions to finish off every single podcast, and they are, one, where do you see yourself in five years? And two, if you had any tips for folk getting into, is chefing the word? I feel like that can't be right. Let's go with it. What would they be? Um, where do I see myself in five years? Mm, hopefully running a restaurant. Right. Um, I'm, I'm getting that experience now, so I, I, it's certainly it's not unachievable. Um, five years' time, you know, Darren will be coming up for seven. You know, she'll be at school. I won't see her a lot of days. Crazy, isn't it? I can dedicate, you know, when, I, when I'm not with her. You know, I, um, yeah, I, you know, without being cheesy, I just want to be good at my job and a good dad and a good husband. That's so that. nice. I don't, I'm not used to you being nice and you've been nice twice tonight. As <laughs> <laughs> um, for anyone getting into the industry, I would say come in with an open mind. Be yeah. prepared to work. I don't mean I don't mean be taken advantage of it, but I mean work when you are working. Um, and probably don't read too much into TV chefs. And when I say TV chefs, I mean a lot of them. TV yeah. chefs, Instagrams and things like that because they've either A, you know, put in their 20, 30, 40 plus years of work into the industry and they're at the top of their game where they could do whatever they want. Um, B, I would I would probably say this more for the Instagram chefs. And I'm like, it's not how it's not how cooking is, it's not what cooking okay. is. It's yeah. not, it's not, it's uh, or even like TikTok. I mean, you see, you see some things that it, it, oh, it angers me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, it certainly angers me. Yeah, it's just coming in with an open mind and you'll only learn as much as you want to. Put it that way. I like that one a lot. I like that a lot. Yeah. If you're, yeah, agreed, agreed. Sort of looking at enjoying the process as much as becoming that head chef. Like you've got yeah, to. Yeah, and don't, don't tie yourself down. You know, don't tie yourself down to one place. A lot of people will come in and be like, I don't want to do pastry. For me, I was pastry was out of the question. I wanted to cook all the fresh and all I pastry is probably my favorite section. Yeah, you uh, pastry you were showing me when we were you took me around to the last kitchen you were in. Yeah. yeah. And I'm good at it. Put it that yeah. way. Yeah. I, probably now I don't get to do pastry a lot, but when I do, I appreciate it more. Yeah. Um in fact with all cooking. Uh, I'm cooking. I'm, I'm cooking every day at work, but I'm cooking less in the sense of I've got more responsibilities now. I've got staff members to look after. I've got to, you know, um, I'm learning all about the financial side. So, what's what's cooking like at home for you? Um, I I'm, I'm I don't cook fancy. I'm not like oh it needs to be like amazing meals. It needs to be what I what I want for 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 de- I, my whole thought process when I'm home for Darren is it needs to be nutritional. I don't want Darren growing up on stuff stuff that I grew up on. I don't want to grow up on chicken nuggets and McDonald's. Sure. I, I just I, it's, it's, well it's, she, she's grown up in McDonald's. It's just Josh McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> And that was that was pure even for you. Uh, <laughs> I, 
and I, I want to explore her to to foods at a young different foods at a young age. I mean, we were out. Um, my mum came up uh, last week. Got a couple of disposable barbecues. I cooked some macro on the barbecue. Some nice bowl of mussels, and Darren was loving it. You know, I yeah. do love macro. Um, love it. Um, you know things like that. Just, just good food. Just honest, honest food is probably the best way to describe it. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong with. Um, there's nothing wrong with mac and cheese, but don't buy it out of tin. Yeah, and also like, yeah, it's yeah. Don't have it all the time either. It's really, but, yeah, yeah. But for yeah. instance, we had we had mac Bam. and cheese. We had mac and cheese tonight. Yeah. I I made I made I make the cheese sauce. I make pasta. Was Bam. it as good for mums? Uh, well, Leah doesn't like the cherry tomato, so I couldn't do it. Oh, gutted. Gutted, gutted, gutted. Laura, you should be making Josh's and Leah can have one. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you one more question. I don't normally ask questions after those last two, but, but it's more of a statement. Tell us what it's like, because you are relatively new to it. Let me get this right. She'll be, don't say, don't say, I can do this. She'll be... 20 months on the 25th of this month. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's it like being a dad? Because to me, you're an idiot, right? <laughs> but you then became a dad and it was mad. It's so cool and it's, it happens often just to see that change. What's it like? It's, it's um, I mean, she, she was a great baby. I always think that she did the whole kind of sleeping thing backwards because when she was a baby, she slept right through, and we were like, "Do we wake her up? Do we not? You know, like, what, <laughs> what do we do? Like, do we wake her up for feeds? Because everyone's saying, oh, baby's got up every two hours for a feed, and she was sleeping eight hours at the time." And I'm yeah. not, not saying that to be like, to, to what, what is the solution there? Well, we were like, we asked the health visitor, and they were like, "Well, she's sleeping. There's no she's problem." Fine. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Funny um, then, I was, I don't know. It was, it, it, it was. It's, it's the most rewarding thing that I've ever done. I am constantly trying to improve aspects of my life so that I can be a better dad. And I mean, yeah. ways that either my childhood never lived up to it or, like, for example, when I was a child, um, I worked from a very young age and I don't feel like I had much of a childhood. I don't mean that... Yeah. I don't mean that as a negative, but I mean as in I was always, I always thought I was too, more mature than I should have been from the ages that I had. You know, I had a, I had a lot on my shoulders from from a young age. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to, I don't want Dan to be stressing about anything until she's old enough. You know, um, I like, I like but th th things that I don't know, I'm teaching myself. You know, I am yeah. ho hopeless at DIY. I am I'm hopeless and um, Leah's dad has taught me a lot um, so anything I've learned is pretty much from him um, and I want to be the person that you know Leah, Leah's 27 years old and still going to her dad for help I want that to be dead yeah yeah you know? yeah um, saying that Leah won't let me touch anything around the house until her dad comes <laughs> <laughs> so you get a wee bit of a limitation unless you buy another house and start having a go on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I just want to, 
I, I, I just want to, yeah, it's same with me now. I mean, I, I went through a period of time where I was too busy trying to impress everyone, too busy trying to be liked by everyone. Um, and looking back, I was majorly unhappy. I'm starting to get to a point in my life where I am happy. And I just want that to be Darren's thought process growing up. It's like, I, I, don't, I don't need to be, you know, I don't, going back to academics, like, I don't need to get straight A's. I'm not saying don't stick in at school. I'm not saying that at all. Um, but I just want her to be happy in whatever she chooses to do. Like professions that I thought about when I was younger was kind of looked down on. Mm. I, you know, things like hairdressers, things like, you know, things like butchers. Butchers are not, butchers are, you know, that, that's, heavily, a, that's a, heavily sought after. Heavily sought after. That's a dying trade. Yeah, and it's it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just I just want to be a. I just want to be a good dad, and you know our our um our laugh is uh, something else, and no one can make her quite laugh like I do. So I, I take I take a little bit of pride in that. That's lovely though. That's so cute, isn't it? That's amazing. I had so much fun when I met her. It wasn't the first time I met her, but for for you and Leah's wedding, uh. You would love her now, man. You would love her now. Yeah, I've got to come up. I've got to come up. I, I've now summer's here. It'll be a bit of time, but winding down, I will be up. I will be up. But here, I appreciate you coming on. I hope you've enjoyed it yourself. Oh, I have. Yeah, it was good. Good, man. Good. And if for those of you listening, um, I hope you've enjoyed sort of seeing the other side. You know, we always talk about farming. And we haven't really brought that food side on much. We've had butchery. We've had a few in the past. Of, chefs and whatnot but never sort of someone dedicated to that side um so it's been fun fun having you on josh and, and if you are if you are listening and you're interested in young farmers you're interested in getting into that side of things which by the way by the may by the way it's june it's not by the may anymore um you have absolutely no need to be involved in farming to get involved in young farmers and that's coming from someone that did not join until 25 and is now part of a national committee and i cannot stress how good it's been for me, even at that stage where I was very much established in my career, established in this industry, and I've still been offered some fantastic opportunities. You can start at 14, you can start at 29, and there's so many brilliant things you can do. Um, so have a have a listen to that, which will be our Monday coming. We'll then be at the Highland Show. There will be one released during the Highland Show. I don't think many folk will be watching it in the first night, uh, but it will be coming out soon. So thank you very much for listening, and we shall see you for the next episode. See you later on. I hope you've enjoyed another excellent episode of the R2Cast. I just want to take this moment to quickly thank our primary sponsors once more, A-Plan Rural. If you follow A-Plan on social media, you'll see the work they're doing to really promote British farming and back our industry. It's been a pleasure working alongside A-Plan Rural so far, and long may it continue. The values of A-Plan Rural runs perfectly in line with the whole mantra of Rural to Kitchen, and I'm glad to have them on board. Check them out on Instagram at A-Plan Rural, and on Facebook at A Plan Rural Insurance. See you for the next podcast.